Welcome to Prairie Dock On Call, made possible by the generous support of Larson Manufacturing and many other corporations and individuals. Their gifts to the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3, provide 100% of the funding for all Prairie Dock programs. Please follow the Prairie Dock on Facebook and YouTube, and go to prairiedock.org for more information on making a charitable gift. U.S. veterans represent a special population of men and women who have served their country, many facing extraordinary health risks during their deployments. Veterans' health issues are clinically complex and they can be a potentially vulnerable population. Veterans' Health, tonight, on call with the Prairie Doc. Good evening and welcome based on science, built on trust. I'm Major Anderson, your Prairie Doc guest host for this evening. Tonight, we will be discussing veterans' health. Thank you for joining us. Before we start our conversation, we invite you, our audience, to submit your questions for tonight's discussion about veterans' health. Viewers can contact us in three ways. You may call us at 1-888-376-6225. You can send an email to ask at prairiedoc.org, or you can ask on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. We will work to answer as many of your questions as possible given the time available. Sometimes we receive more questions than we can cover, and we apologize if we do not get to your questions. All our questions are submitted, all questions submitted during the first 20 minutes will be entered into a drawing for our newest Prairie Doc publication. The winner will be announced at the end of this program. Your questions will remain anonymous, but please con provide contact information when you submit your question. In the studio this evening are veteran Dr. Ronald Place, the CEO from Avera Health, veteran Dr. Jared Harwood from Samford, Worthington Orthope Orthopedics and Sports Medicine Clinic, and Desiree Boyer, the Outreach Coordinator with the Veterans Administration in Sioux Falls. Welcome, everyone. Thank you so Thank much. You. All panelists tonight are both healthcare professionals and either veterans or involved with serving those who serve our country. I started my medical career as an active duty Air Force, working on radios and radar in AC-130 gunships. After four years, I transitioned to the Iowa Air National Guard as a medic and then became a commissioned officer in the Nurse Corps. I retired with 20 years of service as a major. So major really is my name and my rank. Dr. Place? Would you tell us about your, yourself and where you served? Sure, uh, I served for 37 years uh, in the Army. I was commissioned uh, after college before I started medical school. I trained as a general surgeon. My subspecialty is colon and rectal surgery. Uh, I practiced for about 20 years or so, transitioned to executive healthcare leadership, uh, <clears throat> and retired earlier this spring as the director of the Defense Health Agency uh, working in Washington, D.C. Very good. Dr. Harwood, what is your specialty and your branch of military service that you served in? I joined uh, the Navy in 2002. Uh, they uh, fortunately paid for my medical school and I deployed as a flight surgeon in the active duty Navy before transitioning to uh, reserve and getting trained up as an orthopedic surgeon. So I'm still serving in the uh, Navy Reserve. Thank you both for your service. Ms. Boyer. Tell us a little bit about yourself and your role with the VA. Right, so I work for the VA hospital in Sioux Falls. I've been there a little over 16 years. 
Um, my title is Outreach Coordinator, Minority Veteran Program, and also Transitional Patient Advocate. So I go out to different events, make sure that the veterans know their benefits, help them to get enrolled if they need to, or just answer any questions. Um, definitely help our minority veterans, and then the post 9-11 veterans. So, and my husband was 21 years Navy, so I kind of followed him around until he retired. Excellent. Well, looks like we've got some questions here. Uh, one is, what qualifies someone for VA benefits? So there is a lot of different ways to be eligible for VA. Um, the best thing I would suggest for anybody to do, each county has a veteran service officer they can talk to. So if you have any questions of your eligibility, I would contact them. You can come directly to the VA and talk to our eligibility department. Um, those would be my best suggestions to find out if you are eligible. So not all veterans would be eligible for, for VA health care. That is correct. Um, depending on like our National Guard, they need to deploy to a combat zone to um, be able to apply for VA health care. Um, also, some of our veterans, um, it does come down to uh, like a monetary amount. 2003 is when Congress changed the guidelines a little bit. Um, so there's a lot of different ways to be eligible, not be eligible. Again. If you don't know for sure, go talk to somebody. And that person to talk to would be, again be your Definitely veteran service. Definitely be a service, county veteran service officer. Veteran service officer. Yeah. And every county in South Dakota has Correct. a veteran service officer Correct. that they can, they can do. So why is it important for your primary care physician to ask if you have served in the military for health diagnosis? What, what would that, how could that change your, your care? Um, well, sure. The, the experiences of service are unique to everyone, and 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 the way that that unique service can impact not just you know PTSD, which I think what what most people want to talk about, but there are certain exposures, for example, that can can have pulmonary lung effects. There are other exposures that can have dermatological skin effects. So the the fact that you've served and served in a particular location or partic uh, served in a particular uh, aircraft or ship or whatever, all the environmental exposures that come with it can have some unique circumstances. So having that conversation with the primary care team and let them then make some determinations about who, if anybody, could be helpful for their care is really important. Okay. Do you see any uh, um, more common health conditions or concerns that veterans have after serving? Anything that more likely to have hips or something or anything like that? I don't know. Well, I, I can attest to the fact that they age uh, just like the rest of the population. Um, and we all know that orthopedics is kind of a, a wear and tear business. Um, I think, you know, there are certain musculoskeletal injuries are very common uh, in veterans and non-veterans alike. But I think, uh, I, you know, I agree with the comments that have already been ma made in that uh, veterans are a, a particular uh, group that um, have very specific needs in some cases. And so I, I know that I've really enjoyed uh, uh, being a veteran and taking care of veterans, and I think that they, they also enjoy uh, being included. Yeah, Mitch, if I could add on that just a little yeah. bit, both the Department of Defense and the Department of Veterans Affairs, from an epidemiological standpoint, they look at us as an entire population. And if there's something that's unique because you served here, or unique because you served in this way, then they'll typically communicate that with all of us. But you know, to, to help assuage some of that anxiety, perhaps, it's really uncommon for there to be a specific problem 
because you were deployed in a particular place or because you were on a, a particular aircraft or ship. So I don't want anybody to think, oh my goodness, do I have something to worry about? No. 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 It's hard work. There are certainly musculoskeletal effects on it, but, but in general there's nothing unique to military service. And I've, I, uh, again, to kind of uh, tag on that, I've, I've had the privilege of serving in, in the VA as an orthopedic surgeon and in a small town uh, as an orthopedic surgeon, and the, and the practices do look very similar in many respects. Can people see specialists outside the VA system for issues such as cancer or heart or orthopedics or surgery? Do they have to be seen just in the VA? Or? So we have what we call our care in the community, and as long as you are registered and you're eligible for VA health care, if there is a certain situation where maybe we don't have the specialist at the particular VA that you're at, then that's where they will um, get a, a person in the community as long as they are in our network and as long as the VA is making that appointment for you and they're, you know, you can't make your appointment on your own, so you have to go through our care in the community, then yes, that is um, where we would transfer them to somebody in the community that would be able to help them. Sometimes it's based on access as well. <clears throat> access has been a challenge for most of us. It doesn't matter what system we're in. Uh, limitations of, of uh, practitioners involved. So if they could, both if they have it and if they can see it in a, in a timely manner, it'll happen in the VA. But if it's not available or not available timely, that's where they look to community partners. And both of our organizations, uh, Vera and Sanford, are, are partners with Correct. the VA with to the provide VA. some of that. I'm guessing, although I don't know, that West River Monument Health is also involved in the system. Um, so in general, all of us are involved. The VA decides how that happens. And I was just going to say that I, I feel that veterans are taken very well care of in both situations. Um, I, I, now that, that community care aspect, uh, I feel like even when the VA can't provide the timeliness or the, the specific specialty, they make sure that the veterans are taken care of at the end of the day, which is uh, a tribute to the, the hard work that's going on there. Very good. What types of um, behavioral health care options are there? Uh, any, any? We do have a mental health department, and definitely doctors and, and um, mental health providers that are there for our veterans. Um, we have emergency rooms at different VAs, and particularly in Sioux Falls. So if somebody is having a problem and presents to the ER, um, they would never be turned away. I don't care if they've ever been seen there or not. They're going to make sure that they see them and they get the help that they need for sure, whether it be right there or whether, again, we use a community partner. Very good. And how do we or could we do better having uh, the VA docs and civilian docs work together? Is there? We, it sounds like we do a pretty good job of of, with the community and the care or care in the community program to to getting the civilian docs and the, the VA docs working together. I do. Over the 16 years that I've worked there, I mean, it's definitely um, gotten better with each year and, and um, just with the community that we have and being able to um, get the providers in with the VA. So I feel like we do have a good um, do do a good job of that. And, and it's not completely siloed either. Uh, in many uh, instances, the community docs are the VA docs. Um, yeah, and true. I know uh, when I was in Seattle, I, I had a, an appointment at the university as well as, as the VA, you know, and took care of patients in both mm -hmm. capacities. So, But blinding flash to the obvious, healthcare is complicated. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and all three of our systems 
are different electronic health records, which means they're organized differently, the, the nomenclatures are a little bit different, how they interact are different, so all of our practitioners, um, as we're working together, we're also navigating completely different electronic medical mm -hmm. records. So that can probably, in many cases, be the biggest challenge for how is that is care getting, coordinated between getting all, the care, all the systems. Or getting the information yeah. transferred between yes, two things. Um, a caller from Sioux Falls is asking, are there any housing options for veterans in Sioux Falls and in South Dakota? There is. So we definitely have um, our team of social workers that work with our veterans that um, need housing. So it, we do, they can come in anytime and ask to speak one of the social workers and they would definitely be able to help them and, and see what kind of at needs the, they... At the VA Medical Center. Correct. They come okay. into the VA Medical Center right at the front desk, ask to speak to one of our social workers and they would be there to help them. Yeah. I don't know if you want to talk about the tiny homes, but there's a lot of outreach within the Sioux Falls community as well, as, uh, trying to find ways to be good partners with uh, not just the veterans health um, but the veterans benefits as well and, and what all that looks like and one of the things I find most interesting is they're working with local high schools to build tiny homes mm -hmm. for for homeless veterans as a way to both teach and show and and serve all together so I'm really proud of the city of Sioux Falls and what they're doing in collaboration with the VA to make that happen. Are there, um, can a veteran go see their, their non-VA doc and then still get their benefits such as medications from the VA? Absolutely, yes. I can tell you as a veteran, I, I mean, I get seen um, within non-VA uh, healthcare providers for some subspecialty care and the medication requirement that comes from that I always fill through the VA. So if someone's having trouble with that, again, get back to the VA, ask them why that is, why it's not happening. But if it's been arranged through community care, it can always be filled through the VA As long system. as it's been arranged. We are not a standalone pharmacy where somebody can just bring a prescription in from anybody. But as long as it's something that we have arranged for them, then absolutely they would get and the medication. Get and, and I'm sure that's at a a reduced cost or a... a Every veteran pays a little a, bit different, you know, depending on co-payments. Some have none. Some have um, small co-payments for their medication, and it's on a tier, so I don't know, anywhere from 5 to $15 a month. But still probably less than what, what you'd get out at, at Hy-Vee or, or your Walmart, your local pharmacy, right. and stuff like that. As a veteran myself and, and some friends experiencing hearing loss, is this common after serving, you think? So there, uh, there are very noisy environments in the military. Um, you know, having served on an aircraft carrier, for instance, uh, you know, it's something, uh, audiology is a, a complete field in the active duty uh, military and certainly has its after effects later in life. So I would, I would, I've never been involved at the VA, but I'm sure that there are a, a lot of after effects that are dealt with at the VA. I, I, there is. I mean, we do have veterans that come in that, um, you know, have hearing loss. Now, whether I can mm -hmm. say that that's any different than what's on any other job they do, I don't know. But we do help them if they do, and if if um, they're eligible for VA healthcare, then they're going to get hearing aids. So, yeah. if the question is, is there enough of it so that if I have it, can I get good care in the VA? The answer is absolutely yes. Yeah. Very good. And to the, the the prior question, I was just thinking the the VA oftentimes, in in several respects, serves as a quarterback. I, I feel like to the service that veterans get. You know, so whether it be these medications or different appointments, you know, they always, you know, the VA always provides an environment for them to reach back to with questions and needs. All right. 
We're going to move to our first topic here. Uh, as veterans transition from active duty to civilian life, veterans still receive valuable benefits offered by the Department of Veterans Affairs. Prairie Doc journalist Sam Schauer sends, sheds light on the essential benefits available to veterans and emphasizes the importance of promptly accessing these resources for a smoother transition into post-military life. Courtney Steffen is the Veterans Service Officer in Brookings County, and she helps veterans with their benefits after leaving the military. We help veterans access their benefits that they have earned through their military service, whether it's VA health care, whether it's compensation and pension benefits, uh, educational benefits, VA home loan benefits. We're here to help navigate that process. That process can be very difficult and intimidating, and she says that's leading to many younger veterans not using the benefits given when they leave the military. This leads to possible VA funds being cut from the program in the future. In the budget world in the government, there's a, if you don't use it, you lose it kind of thing, right? And in the, the VA is a lot like that, right? If, if we don't utilize our system, we, we do stand to maybe lose it someday. Stefan says the best time for veterans to obtain the benefits is right after leaving the military, and it gets harder the longer veterans wait. The longer they wait, the harder it is to get back in. It can be very difficult waiting 20 years and then trying to get back into the system. The VA uses the data from veterans who use the benefits to find and help them any way they can, mentally, physically, and medically. If it weren't for the VA and the same veterans going to the same doctors and us being able to uh, utilize that data, we wouldn't have presumptive conditions like, you know, Agent Orange or burn pits. Stefan says one of the most underutilized benefits that isn't used are Home Improvement Structural Alteration Grants, or HESA grants. They are for veterans with disabilities from their service, and the grants alter their home to accommodate those veterans. And the VA is going to pay for a walk-in shower or uh, doorway alterations or a, a walk-up ramp for their house or something to make their uh, daily activities more accessible for their disabilities. Stefan ends with commenting that all veterans should use the benefits given to them. Even if it is the tiniest benefit, she says it all helps veterans now and into the future. That data heads up to help not only you and your fellow service members that you served with, but it's going to help future veterans, right? It's going to help the future of the military and it shapes policy for the DOD. Thank you for being, being back. And what's your opinion of the reputation of the VA and the, the care that the VA gives? So myself, I mean, I have my husband also that uses the VA and, and I um, find the expertise that um, our veterans get from the providers they have is, is wonderful. Um, they're able to get into appointments quickly if they have any kind of um, 
maybe something else they need, like an MRI or something. I mean, uh, everything is done very quickly from what I have seen. Our veterans enjoy being there talking to each other. Um, just the whole atmosphere, I love being there and I love serving the veterans and I feel like they're, everything we're doing is, is better and better every day for them. I, just to you know, continue that uh, sentiment, uh, having served on both sides, you know, the, the VA side and outside the VA, I, I really uh, don't have any examples where the care is, is any different. And in many respects, the, the quality of the care that our veterans get at the VA um, comes along with a camaraderie and spirit that they thrive on. Uh, veterans come to the VA to, uh, you know, be part of that family again uh, that they found in the military. And so, I've uh, I've loved being a veteran, and I've I've certainly loved serving in the VA and supporting the VA now, uh, even out in the community. Yeah, if I could add to what Dr. Harwood said, most of us who've served in the military have also, in some form or fashion, served in a in a VA uh, facility. But if you look just specifically at Sioux Falls, you'd be surprised at the percentage of providers who are now working in the Sioux Falls VA who worked somewhere else in Sioux Falls and have decided at this point in their career they really love the ability to give back to the veterans so they're the same physicians who've been working in Sioux Falls who are now working in, in that particular yeah so the same quality the same integration it's largely the same group of practitioners who've, who've been there so this idea that somehow this is lesser or more than it's the same it's all part of the same system what support systems are um, important or available for those returning from, from active duty or deployments or something like that? So for my position as transitional patient advocate, um, we attend the yellow ribbons. So any of our um, veterans that have been deployed and come back from their combat tour, um, we are there to make sure they know all their benefits, to make sure they're getting signed up and anything that they may need help with, that's what we're at that um, yellow ribbon for, um, along with any veteran that is maybe um, transitioning out of active duty. Um, anywhere they're transitioning out of, if they put that they are, are coming to Sioux Falls, then there's emails that go back and forth from every VA um, letting us know so we're able to get a hold of them and start that transition and start getting them um, to what, you know, what they need. So when she mentions Yellow Ribbon, it took me uh, over a decade to realize that this resource even existed. And um, I, was, I was deployed to New York City as part of the COVID response. And when I came back, I had this Yellow Ribbon event that was offered as a, a resource, uh, basically an expenses paid uh, retreat for my wife and I to go to you know, for the two or three days uh, <laughs> and again, be part of that family, decompress, uh, grow to grow back together as a couple and you know just a, a beautiful resource so the whole idea <clears throat> whether still on active duty transitioning um, is normalizing an abnormal experience mm -hmm. and that's what it's about it's not expecting families or the community to be the ones who are normalizing that abnormal experience but is there a way to utilize the resources of the VA to have that transition take place where you're going from a very abnormal experience I can tell you is four combat deployments as a general surgeon, it is a unique, surreal, abnormal, horrifying, uh, uplifting, and everything you can do to put it into a package experience. And then somehow you're going to go from that in a matter of hours 
to hometown USA is just a weird feeling. And the VA helps in that transition process. Sometimes it's days, your experience. Sometimes it's weeks or even months, depending on the, the service member or the veteran. So mm -hmm. that's the whole purpose. The VA is doing spectacular work to make that happen. Mm -hmm. And that is where our social workers come in um, to play, too, because they will follow up with the veterans, whether it be weekly, monthly, quarterly, um, to make sure that they're transitioning OK. And that uh, would go along with an email question we had, which is, my husband's a veteran and struggles with depression. What resources are out there for him? You'd have the social workers that could again, yes. Could talk when they with meet with the social workers, I mean, they have tons of literature that they can um, give them to help, but also just be there for them um, anytime that they are needed. Are there any specific VA services that are um, special for or specifically for uh, veterans residing in? in rural communities. We talked about care in the community. Is there any other? I know, I know that uh, not as far, uh, not as much on the rural piece, but there were facets of orthopedic care that I think really shined in the VA, you know, with their experience with uh, prosthetics and orthotics and also wheelchair. Uh, you know, these veterans are getting <laughs> The, the the top the, the the best of the best uh, in many respects uh, things that aren't normally available to the normal population in many respects so that was that was one piece that I saw that really shined in that orthopedic uh, correct and even if they're in the rural areas we make sure they get that um, whatever like what he was saying anything right. they need we get it to them it doesn't matter where they're at we make sure it's it's delivered to them. Are there any volunteer opportunities for those that haven't served, or maybe they have served in the military, to give back at the VA? Absolutely. We are always looking for volunteers. We have um, a whole department that is our Voluntary Services Department, which now they have a different name. But um, yes, we are looking for drivers to um, help drive our veterans to maybe different appointments. Um, maybe just be at the front desk and wheel, you know, if they're in a wheelchair, take them to their appointments. Um, maybe just coming in and folding papers that need to be mailed out, but we are always in need. Um, all they need to do is contact our voluntary services department. Um, there's paperwork, there's fingerprinting, different things that you have to do to be able to be eligible for that. But once you're in there, um, yeah, sky's the limit. We need help or we need volunteers anytime. It's, it's interesting, you know, you, we, we talk of military service, it really is about serving uh, and sacrifice. And I feel like uh, watching veterans interact with one another, being a veteran myself, you feel that urge, uh, you know, even you know, after you're retired, I'm sure, uh, you feel that urge to uh, give back. To help and, and give back. And yeah. And I, I, agree. I see it happening a lot. Absolutely. Uh, uh, Facebook viewer has said, as a veteran, I struggle with substance abuse but have recovered. What resources are out there for veterans that are struggling now? Again, through our social workers, and we do have um, detox places if they need you know, more uh, in-house treatment, um, then they, we would be able to get them to that um, place they need to go to. Their services are out there. We just got to ask, and Absolutely. we're back to we need to talk to our, our uh, veteran service officer, it sounds like. Uh, 
Caller from Mitchell asks, how about dental care? We've talked about um, other cares. Is there dental cares available through the VA? So the dental is very hard for all of our veterans. You have to be 100% um, service-connected disability to be eligible for dental, or if maybe somebody has a service connection on a certain tooth or a certain part of their mouth, then they would be able to receive dental care, but there is not a lot of veterans that are eligible for the dental care. Back to, you know, again, talking to the, the VA reps and stuff to find out. Yeah, if I what, could offer one other thing, you know, many of the things that, that are happening in our lives, we, we'd like to remain private. And in some of our counties in South Dakota, the total number of people living in them is relatively small. So if someone really wants to remain anonymous within their county, it's not just the Veterans Service Office in your county that you can talk to. You can talk to any county. Any, any county office. Any of them. So if someone's really worried about, gosh, I just don't want anyone, my, everybody knows everybody's business here. This is not something I want to share then don't be constrained by your county. Talk to somebody else, but talk to somebody. No, that's true. And I always tell people if they start talking to whoever, maybe it's their county veteran service officer or whoever, um, not all personalities jive either. So if you don't feel like you um, are getting the support from that particular person, then yes, find somebody else because there are people out there that will advocate for you and help you. You just have to find the right person and um, you know, give all that information to them. And I, you know, on the on the flip side, you know, uh, medicine by definition is taking someone who's not at their best, right? They have some some ailment or something going on, um, and I think that uh, medicine can be frustrating in in any in any setting, you know, inside the VA or not. Uh, and I, I like your comment to, you know, you don't have to take no for an answer. You know, if you still have questions, then you find someone else. You know, you continue that dialogue, that conversation. There are tons of um, advocates, you know, uh, people that act as third parties, you know, that say, okay, well, obviously this relationship isn't working, so let's, let's take it from a different angle or get somebody else involved. Um, you should never feel as if, uh, you know, you're alone or there, there are insurmountable challenges. Once called shell shock, in the early 20th century, post-traumatic stress disorder is a very common condition that can affect all veterans' day-to-day -day lives in a variety of ways. Prairie Doc reporter Sam Schauer spoke with a psychologist at the VA about PTSD and ways to treat it. Dr. Carrie Lighting is a psychologist for the VA who helps veterans with PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder. PTSD is a mental health condition that uh, can occur after folks experience or witness a kind of life-threatening event, which can include things like combat, it can include things like physical or sexual assault, it can include uh, natural disasters or uh, serious car accidents like a car wreck or something like that. Lighting says PTSD can cause negative reactions and the symptoms can start right away but improve over time. However, there are others that PTSD remains or comes and goes, and she says certain events can reopen wounds. So things like nightmares or memories, uh, having emotional or physical reactions to kind of reminders of that trauma, it can then include symptoms like what we call kind of hyperarousal symptoms. So that is things like difficulty sleeping, increased irritability, feeling extra alert and on guard when you maybe don't need to be, uh, startling really easily. 
Lighting says those who have re-experiences may begin to avoid people or interests or even turn to substance abuse to try and forget those memories. If someone or someone they know has a trauma, Lighting says they should at least talk to someone. If you're noticing that within yourself and or noticing that in someone that you, you care about or that's important to you, it's worth mentioning it. It's worth having them maybe come and talk to somebody. Lighting treats those who suffer from PTSD with three different psychotherapies, which all help process how the trauma affects the person and their life. One is called cognitive processing therapy. So that's looking at kind of the way in which trauma impacted how you think about yourself, other people, the world, how it impacted kind of how you think about that trauma. And then you're going to spend time talking about that with your provider and doing kind of short writing exercises. Lighting says while some people with PTSD may refuse to get help, she says seeking help can improve one's life and continue to move forward. It's not so much trying to erase anything that happened or take away from those experiences or take away those memories, but can we find a way that the impact that that trauma is having on your life right now be different than it is now? Can it be different in the future than it is now? Welcome back. L listening to um, her talk about the PTSD, what are some, uh, what's the road to recovery from PTSD look like? Anybody? Well, it's unique, I think, for every veteran. <clears throat> and it gets back to what I mentioned before. It, it's an abnormal experience. And, and for some people, they struggle with normalizing it. Rightfully so, right? Some of the experiences are absolutely horrific. And, and depending on how that that uh, that experience was normalized or not normalized originally can lead to even more problems for the particular veteran down the road. But my, my advice really is um, take it seriously. Um, and if whatever has been done in the past didn't work, don't give up. Uh, it's hard and, and the road is different for every single veteran. Uh, similar to, to what we were talking about before, if the experience isn't what you like or the you, know, you didn't click with the therapist or the psychologist or the social worker who's ever helping you work through it then find somebody else but I think I speak for all of us when we say that everyone in the VA is committed to the normalization of that experience to live a happy healthy fruitful life and so we don't ever not not the VA not those of us who partner with the VA never want any veteran to feel like they're forgotten that they're left behind um, and we will do essentially everything that we can to help him that journey to, to get back to a better state of mind. And I'm sure there's um, services out there, programs out there for those that are struggling with suicidal thoughts. Mm -hmm. um, what? Yeah, it's, it's interesting you mentioned the, the road, you know, the road to recovery. I, you know, if I think about what that road looks like, it, it's probably not straight and no. it's probably not short, um, but it should be traveled with uh, someone else. Um, and I think that whether it be PTSD or suicide, you know, one of the, the key similarities, I think, is this loss of hope, uh, this disconnectedness. Um, and so, you know, finding that person or finding that group uh, that's going to be along with you on that road, uh, I think, is, is one, one key factor. And a, a, a descriptor, you know, a word that describes the VA very well, I think, is, is family. 
Um, you may not like all of your cousins, you know, or all of your brothers and sisters even. Um, there may be days that you don't jive well um, or you might get in arguments, but at the end of the day, you're a family. Uh, you come from a very similar background. You've all raised your hand to the same oath. Uh, and so there are, there's a huge foundation of similarities that you can build on and um, overcome any, any challenge. Are there any services for um, like nursing home care for the, with the VA? Do, we do, again, it's a, a small population. Um, if you have a 70% service-connected disability, then you're gonna be eligible for nursing home care mm -hmm. as long as it's uh, um, contracted through the VA. So um, any of our veterans that are 70% or greater, if they reach that uh, point where they do need, need nursing care, then yes, we would be able to um, put them in a nursing home that is contracted through the VA. And so are, yes. Are these the veterans' homes that you see in no, the communities? No, um, Oh. Like the veterans' home in Laverne, right? Exactly. So that would be a little bit different. I don't okay. know all the statistics for that part, but just a general population of somebody in Sioux Falls, um, we do have contracted nursing homes okay. that we would be able to um, place them in. Okay. Yep. What about like burial services or? Uh, and that's kind of getting into a lot of the benefits the, part. The benefits that that are going to be dependent on. Um, I, I don't know a lot about the burial portion of it. That would be in our, I'm the healthcare, so that would be the benefits portion. Okay. Um, so that again, your veteran <laughs> service officer would have information, would, would have on, information that. on that. Um, don't ask you about home loans either. <laughs> no, no home loans. <laughs> no, no VA home loans, and no? They are available, but not the healthcare portion. <laughs> but to the, to the point you made before, the VA does manage two homes. Okay. Um, the old soldier's home in Washington, D.C., and the old sailor's home I forget exactly where it is, but I, I think it's in Biloxi, but, but down on the coast. There are two, but for the most part, the VA helps manage uh, local accommodations, okay. depending on the level of disability. Is there any, um, why would therapy be important for veterans? Um, I'm assuming they're like talking back about the PTSD therapy and yeah, so it's, you know, just it, making sure that they're it's interesting, you know, I think a lot of these uh, mental health diagnoses come with their own history and stigma, uh, stigma, uh, stigmatization, you know, where uh, for a long time, you know, veterans uh, didn't feel as if it was, it was the macho thing to even talk about. Yeah, mm -hmm. and I think one of, uh, I, just, I just had a brief uh, last real weekend from a, a counselor who was there to talk to us about suicide and PTSD because it's a real problem. And one of the points she made is, we just need to talk about it more. You know, whether you're talking to your fellow veteran or talking to your counselor, um, these are these are healthy uh, conversations to have. Uh, and I think a counselor, you know, they bring a skill set that's uniquely suited to again travel with that veteran down the road uh, towards recovery. And I believe the 988 is the suicide hotline. Thank you. Any veteran can, can call that or any anybody. Uh, At all. It, it doesn't matter whether you're a veteran or not, but I think there's a, a special component of that that branches off that, I mean, you, you hit a button and, and I think it takes you to a different 
I'm glad you brought that up because I didn't want to get the number wrong, uh, even though it's three digits. But I was, it was a tremendous, uh, I think, feat to uh, uh, you know open and make this national uh, 988 uh, hotline available uh, to, to anyone everybody. with a phone. Yeah, anyone with a phone. Absolutely, and we do have our suicide prevention team. Um, they're there to go out into the community if anybody wants any kind of training. Um, I know they go out to uh, different organizations and um, are able to train those people on, on signs and, and you know what they can help with. So if anybody needs anything um, in the community, then they can contact our suicide prevention team. And Would they have to be um, VA benefit eligible to contact the suicide prevention team? Or? No, no. Yeah, so everything with the VA is, is it concomitant with the service? Is it service connected in some way? And any service member and their potential abnormal experiences are part and parcel of military service. So whether it's 988, whether it's the, the VA's website, which has great information about support services, whether it's Military One Source, there's all kinds of different portals to get into it that ultimately lead back to a similar cohort of really, really experienced professionals who can help. And we do have the Vet Center in Sioux Falls also that is available for our veterans. So that's another avenue that they're able to contact. And what, what's uh, the Vet Center? What's What's there? I've not I know they do a lot of counseling. I mean, I, I don't work there, so I don't know specifics, but that would be something that um, maybe if they are not using the VA, they can contact the Vet Center and see if they're able to get help through them. Uh, what do you think the veterans' greatest needs um, uh, regarding health care are when they return from, from service? I know that uh, you know uh, during active duty, you know a vast majority of everyday uh, injuries are musculoskeletal in nature, and the same is true uh, later in life, especially you know with it being a wear and tear business. Um, so I I think that you know much like the VA is the quarterback for these people's health care, uh, your primary care provider is the quarterback for deciding kind of when to engage you know different specialties whether it be general surgery or orthopedic surgery and we really rely on them pretty heavily to kind of take care of the basics and then when once the basics are outstripped you know to get veterans to to higher level of care where they can have you know uh, specialty uh, service done I think patience is key as well. Remember that these abnormal experiences come with a state of hypervigilance. And the reason for the hypervigilance is to stay alive, right? It's a completely different environment and it, the temperatures are different, the smells are different, the sleep cycles are different, the threats are different, everything is different. And so it becomes normal to be hypervigilant. And then as you come back to something not that, when the rest of your friends or your family believe everything is the same, and yet it's not for you and trying to sort out what's real for me and not real for me and, and why am I jumping so much for things that I shouldn't be jumping? Is it me? Am I, the, am I the weird one here? Is there something about me that's different? It's this state of hypervigilance and we all go through our own transition away from that state of hypervigilance. Some of us are successful, some of us aren't as successful. Again, that's where the VA comes in and they help us understand that abnormal situation. Yeah, and I, something that, uh, you know, an insight that I recently had again with some of these conversations about suicide and PTSD is that um, it isn't, it isn't a, a, a me versus them issue in that 
all of us, these are spectrums, and all of us are on this spectrum somewhere. You know, I've had, I've had days in my life where I've felt very depressed, or I've had symptoms that may have qualified even uh, for some of these things, and then days that are not. And so I think another key is to not think that, you know, you are uh, not vulnerable to, you know, some of these after effects, uh, because we all are. It's a very normal and acceptable response um, that can be taken care of in a healthful way. And it may not be something that happens right away either. Right. I mean, yeah. it could be months or years down the road. Yeah. Another question somebody has called in and asked is, I've got a friend who's moved states. How can I transfer my VA care from my old state to maybe now South Dakota? Yeah, very easy. They just need to contact eligibility. It takes 30 seconds. So just, can get them switched just call over. the VA and they'll, they'll yes. get you moved over. Absolutely. Another uh, caller or email says, as a veteran, I miss the community that the military provides. And I would agree with that. Where can veterans go to get that military community after leaving the service? Is there? Volunteer at the VA. Volunteer at the <laughs> VA. That sounds like an excellent place to to yeah, come and, and hang and there's out. other veteran services organization. I'm not going to talk is. about one versus another, but but the communities are there for people who want to be involved. And using the VA as a resource, they also have a collection of all the veteran service organizations. So again, they're not going to play favorites, but they will tell any of us who are interested what are the available veteran services organizations that one can be involved in. Each community is going to have some sort of organization, yeah. yes. Excellent. Well, we're running out of questions here. Um, any final statements or comments you want to give? We got just a couple of minutes left. Well, I think the the best part of being a veteran, you know, and a provider, uh, is just the realization of this uh, privilege um, to one be part of. Uh, such a wonderful nation uh, that's blessed us with everything that we have. Uh, and two, to get to take care of veterans is, is an ab absolute privilege. I, I remember um, being in clinic, you know, I'd have a veteran come in with something and, you know, their knee pain by the end of our conversation may be a totally separate, you know, secondary issue that's actually not the most important thing that we talked about. Uh, but it was that special bond uh, that we had as veterans. And so uh, we were special in that we've, we've taken that oath together uh, and that, that bond doesn't end with uh, retirement or you know, transfer to a different duty station. Um, it continues and perpetuates. And so I think it's uh, incumbent upon all veterans uh, to do their part in, in carrying that bond forward and being, being the support that another veteran needs uh, and taking the support when you need it. We got like 30 seconds left. The, the, any other well, comments? Just as a reminder, today is the day that we'll live in infamy. And my guess is that most of us have forgotten that, but today is Pearl Harbor. Pearl is Pearl Harbor, Pearl Harbor 82 Harbor years ago. So we're somewhat short-memoried as Americans, so my plea for all is to remember that, that um, a few of us serve um, but those of us who do serve feel it's a privilege to serve. And so <clears throat> don't, be, don't be too surprised when you, when you thank someone for their service, they're a little bit weird about it because I think we both agree that it's an incredible privilege to serve. That said, it, it is service and, and therefore continue to thank those young men and women for their service. All right. 
And the winner of our prize tonight is a caller from Mitchell. We want to thank them for their question. And that was asked during the first 20 minutes of the show. A gift will be sent to you. We'll be back after this. Searching for trusted medical information or looking for a doctor for your medical needs? Head to the Prairie Doc YouTube channel today to access previous On Call with the Prairie Doc episodes. And make sure to join us most Thursdays on SDPB or streaming on our Prairie Doc Facebook page. December 7th, 1941 is a date that will live in infamy as stated by President Theodore Roosevelt in his famous speech after the events of the Pearl Harbor bombing. That event led the United States involvement into World War II. President Roosevelt's speech was a call to arms and a declaration of war against this act of aggression by a foreign nation. He never wanted us to forget what happened. President Roosevelt concluded his speech by saying, with confidence in our armed forces, with the unbounding determination of our people, we will gain the inevitable triumph, so help us God. Over 80 years later, President Roosevelt's words still have impact and meaning. There will always be threats to our country, both foreign and domestic. There have always been those who have stood up to stand against these threats and defended their country. Those who have served risk their health and safety for the greater good. The men and women of the United States Armed Forces know that they may be called upon to give the ultimate sacrifice for their country. We must never forget those who suffered as prisoners of war and the unknown fates of those who are still missing in action. Once back on the home front, after the tours of duty are done and the enlistments are complete, the service member will become a veteran. Although transitioning back to civilian life can be challenging for some. Many veterans will carry with them some physical, mental, or emotional toll from their service. Whether it is hearing loss or PTSD, there are service-connected injuries that need to be cared for. Some are very easy to spot, like missing a limb or a scar from shrapnel. Others are harder to see, such as survivor guilt, substance abuse, or chronic pain, which can be hidden. According to a 2022 VA study, the top five causes of death for veterans in order from greatest to least were accidents, suicide, cancer, cardiovascular disease, and homicide. As healthcare workers, it is our duty to care for these servicemen and women. We need to make sure that their physical and emotional health is cared for, that they have access to the resources earned through their service to their country. If we all work together, we can ensure that no one is left behind. Our goal should be that veteran health care is not ignored. As President Roosevelt said, we need to have confidence in our armed forces and the unbounding determination of the people of this country. Together, we can make sure that those who served will never be forgotten. Dr. Harwood and Ms. Boyer for volunteering their time to help us learn more about veterans health. If you would like to see and hear more episodes of this program, please like and follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, or visit us at prairie.org. Look for Prairie Dot Perspectives in your local newspapers and online. Listen to us every Wednesday at 9.30 on KBRK in Brookings 
And be sure to look for the podcast of this program, On Call with the Prairie Doc, wherever podcasts can be found. From all of us here at On Call with the Prairie Doc, thanks for joining us for another episode of Health Information Based on Science, Built on Trust. Until next time, stay healthy out there, people. Urinary incontinence isn't an inevitable consequence of aging, and most people, with guidance from their doctor, can manage their symptoms. Inability to control the flow, urinary incontinence. Next time, on call with the Prairie Doc. I'm Carter Holm, and uh, I have been a nurse for about eight and a half years. Worked for the first half of my career in a nursing home, uh, but now I'm at a Vera McKinnon inpatient rehab. My dad worked with On Call the Prairie Doc and started the Healing Words Foundation. And uh, after he passed, we decided as a family that we would take turns on the board to represent uh, what we feel is our dad's best wishes. So I feel like I've been involved with it my whole life, but uh, specifically the last two years working on the board. It's an incredible resource for our community and um, with the, the hard work of the volunteers, we're providing a resource to the community of South Dakota that is pretty rare to help prevent people from needing to go to the hospital, you know, to prevent the spread of misinformation. You know, providing that science-based approach uh, really was a passion of my dad's and something that we're really, we're really honored to continue. It gives people that first step because it's a way that we can talk to our physician without having to make an appointment or having to wait or having to frankly spend any money. You know, a free service to help provide information, helping prevent potential hospital stays or more serious health issues. My Dad was a physician, my mom uh, a nurse practitioner. When I graduated from high school, the one thing I knew was I did not want to go into medicine. <laughs> and then as I grew and matured, the idea of having a stable career that allowed me to help people became sort of my driving focus. And uh, On Call with the Prairie Doc started so long ago with the idea of helping people. It has inspired me in that, you know, I'm a professional nurse, but I'm a helper first and foremost. For more information or to donate, go to www.prairiedoc.org or send your donations to Post Office Box 752, Brookings, South Dakota, 57006. Thank you for your support. Major funding for On Call with the Prairie Doc has been provided by. At Avera, our nationally recognized health system will be right here with you, with care and coverage. Hello, possibility. Hello, healthy. Larson Manufacturing is proud to support On Call with the Prairie Doc as it continues to open doors for important medical information. 
and with the ongoing support of these individuals and institutions. Brookings Health System, Ophthalmology Limited, South Dakota Academy of Family Physicians, Avera Heart Hospital, First Bank and Trust, Dakota Allergy and Asthma, Vance Thompson Vision, Monument Health, Black Hills Medical Society, Brookings Madison Flandreau District Medical Society, Pierre District Medical Society, Sioux Falls District Medical Society, Yankton District Medical Society, Orthopedic Institute, Lake Ponset Sailing Academy, Aberdeen Asthma and Allergy, Dakota Bank, South Dakota American College of Physicians, and Swiftell Communications.